that the Lord has been pleased to give us a word. Give us a word. There's nothing, nothing like meeting together in a public place and the Holy Spirit setting the table for us. Feeding us. There's just nothing like that on this world like that. It's this is just it's just something that only believers know. They sit at the table. We sit at the king's table, like Mephibosheth did, and we've been eating the king's fare all these years. <laughs> eating the king's fare. All right, let's look here in, in verses four through six. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us made hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Now John, he was that disciple whom Jesus loved. This is the one. Every time he's mentioned in the New Testament, in John's Gospel, that 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 disciple whom Jesus loved, and then one that leaned on His breast. And he's the beloved disciple. And here he's used to the Lord to reveal the visions. Reveal the visions that's been given to him. And God sent it to him through an angel. And the first thing he does here, he says, you know, to the seven churches which are in Asia. He salutes the seven churches. Now we'll go through these seven churches. But he, when they talk about them in Asia... It's the same place as Turkey is now. Eastern Turkey. And so that's where they were. And, and that's where the churches was. And that was, of course, it was all under the rule of Rome back in those days where they said all roads lead to Rome. And it was just a Roman province there. And that, that's uh, where all the seven churches were. Seven churches were. And when he first starts dealing with the seven churches, he starts with Ephesus. He starts with Ephesus. That's where he preached and stayed for so many years. It was the nearest and dearest to him and the closest to Patmos and that island on which he was exiled to. But these seven churches, as we deal with them, they represent the entire God's church, mystical church now. When I talk about the church, I'm talking about God's elect. People that, that's in the body of Christ. When we talk about his church. These seven churches represent the entire church. All of God's people. Throughout this dispensation over and over and over again. But he has a beautiful salutation here. Look what he says. He said to John to the seven churches which are in Asia. And now here's how he salutes them. These seven churches. Grace be unto you in peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. And I tell you, he's the first thing he says, grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace. I love that word grace. I find such assurance in the word grace. 
I preached a message here a while back on grace, grace, and more grace. But grace to you. And if we have grace, it's got to be given to us. And it's grace, blessed, blessed grace. It's undeserved. If it was deserved, it would cease to be grace. If it was deserved, it would cease to be mercy. And I tell you what, it's unmerited. There's no way we can merit anything from God. So he said, grace be unto you. May God bless you with grace. May God pour grace out upon you. May God fill you with His grace. And this is one thing that I love about grace. And this is a verse of Scripture God helped to teach. They used to teach me the gospel and open the whole Bible up to me. God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. <laughs> and you know when He was given to us back there, it's given to us in time, but once we get it, that's all we want. Ain't that right? Don't want nothing else but grace. Give us grace. Oh God, give us grace. Grace that forgives sins. Grace pardoning our iniquity. Grace. Blessed grace. And when we talk about grace, it's God giving. And He gives free. It's free grace. Fully grace. And what grace is, is God's good will toward us. It's His good work within us. He works in us by His grace both to will and to do His good pleasure. And if He let us go of His grace just for just a little bit, just a little bit, unbelievable what we would be and what we would do without His grace. And then look what else He says, grace unto you and peace. Peace. Peace is the result of grace undeserved you know when you believe and you trust Christ and you know you're saved by grace when you understand grace when you understand how God saves a sinner and he saves you by his blessed grace and brings his power to bear upon you and he doesn't charge you and impute your iniquities unto you and tells you I'll not remember your sins and iniquities no more And when you understand grace and you understand how God saves a sinner and you understand, beloved, what He's done for you, where grace goes, peace always follows. When you understand grace, then that's when peace comes. And until you understand grace, there ain't going to be no peace. That's that's why you, you know grace, when you believe it, it gives you peace in your mind. Oh, what peace of mind it gives you. It gives you peace in your heart. And I tell you, you know why we have peace in our heart? It's because we've been reconciled to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says we were in enmity with God. They that are in the flesh are enmity with God. And that enmity is a hatred. It's an animosity towards. And then not only would we have enmity, but we were enemies of God. And so how in the world, and reconciliation means bringing two opposing parties together. And making friendship and bringing harmony and bringing communion. Well, we could not reconcile ourselves to God. We were His enemies. 
We had enmity in our hearts. Well, how in the world is this reconciliation going to be brought to pass? Christ went to the cross. And through the blood of His cross, through His death on that cross, He slew that enmity in a person's heart when He comes to save them. And He slays that they don't become enemies of God anymore. They become children of God and sons of God. And it's all because of what Christ did on the cross. We're reconciled. Men, you know, God called Abraham his friend. You know what we are? We're closer than friends. We're sons of God. <laughs> That's closer than a friend, ain't it? We're sons of God, children of God, joint heirs with Christ. And I tell you what, He made peace. He made peace. When I was thinking about this this evening, when I was looking at these notes, I got to thinking about America at war. The last war we won as an as an American as America as a nation was World War Two. We ain't won a war since World War Two. We went to the Korean conflict, and that's all it was. They called it a conflict. Went to Vietnam. Never, you know. Went to Iraq, went to Afghanistan, went to all these places. And there there was never no peace established. They just quit fighting. Just quit fighting. Said, let's just stop it. But I'll tell you one thing. God won this war. (laughs) He won the war. He set out on us, didn't he? As old Scott used to say, stack your arms. And I tell you what, when God comes in His blessed grace, He establishes peace. And you know how He establishes on the basis of righteousness, on the basis of His Son's blood and His death. In fact, the Scripture says, Christ, He is our peace. He's our peace. He's our peace. So grace and peace be unto you. And then look what he says. He said, from who? Look what he says there. From him, which is, which is, right, that's in the present tense, which was, past tense, and which is to come in the future tense. So, he's the same. (laughs) He is, he was, and he's the same one to come. Oh, my let me show you. Look over, keep, look over in Exodus 3. Look at Exodus 3. Here's, here's who we're talking about here. Exodus 3 and verse 14. You know, when we're talking about from Him who is, who was, and who is to come. Our unchangeable God, our covenant God, the God of eternal love and mercy and grace. And look what he said. Moses, God's going to send Moses down to Egypt to save, save his children, bring them out of them. And then I look what he says there in, in verse 13. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, shall say unto them, The God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. And they shall say to me, Well, what is his name? What's his name? What shall I say unto them? Who am I going to say? You know what he said? 
He said, I am. That I am. That means there never was a time that I wasn't. Never will be a time that I won't be. And never will be a time that I cease to be. So he got down there and said, who sent me down here? I am. (laughs) That means when when we talk about I am, that's what John's saying right here. He said, I am. I'm he which is. He said, I am right now. What I am, I have always been. What I am, I am right this moment. And what I am, I'll be as long as eternity lasts. I'll be the I am. And that's what John said. I am he which is, which was, and which is to come. And I tell you, when you understand these things about God, oh my, there's true grace, true peace. And where grace goes, peace follows. And then look what else he says here now. In verse 1. And from the seven spirits, grace unto you, peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Oh my. Now when he says the seven spirits. You know, grace and peace to you from the seven spirits and from he which is, which was, and which is to come. Now when he talks here about seven spirits. I told you the word seven is 54 times in this particular book. But it doesn't really mean that there's seven of them in number. Seven always means perfection. Always means completeness. And so when it says seven, it's not seven in number, not even seven in nature. But it's telling us that the Spirit of God is everywhere doing all things and he comes from he which is which was and which is to come he comes from the throne of God and I tell you there's and when the Holy wherever the Holy Spirit comes he gives different gifts to different people he gives different gifts but it's all the same spirit and he operates in different people's hearts in different ways and it tells us here the seven spirits which are before his throne seven spirits And that means, beloved, that he goes, he's everywhere. He just, it's like God. He's God. And God's everywhere. And that's what he says the Holy Spirit. He comes and gives different gifts to different people. He gives pastors, teachers, evangelists, people to pray, people to give. He gives different spirits, I mean different gifts and operations and as God governs from the throne the Holy Spirit comes from God and comes from his throne to his people and his people he goes and does what you know when our Lord Daryl read back in John 14 this evening and that's what he said said I'll go away I'm going away But I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to leave you without any comforter. I'm going to send the comforter come. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come. And He's going to take my place on this earth. And it's the Holy Spirit that comes to us and teaches us, instructs us, and blesses us, and meets the needs of our hearts and our understanding. And that's why He calls them seven spirits. Perfect perfect, goes everywhere can be at all places at all time and then look what he says in verse 5 
And all grace and peace and peace unto you from he which is, which was, and which is to come from the seven spirits before the throne. And also grace and peace from Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, where else is it going to come from? Where else is it going to come from? Where else is God going to give us anything except through His blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? And when it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ, He's God the Son. You know, we look, you know, John says that the Word of life which we have seen, which we have handled, that was manifested. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. He walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. He leaned on the Lord Jesus' breast. He, he did, Christ loved him. And so he knew what it was to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. To walk with him and talk with him and hear him pray. And, and, and love him and sit and eat a meal with him. And oh my, if God gives us anything, it's got to come through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places come through Him. God has nothing for no one apart from His blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look what He, look what he says now. He said, He's the faithful witness. Who is the faithful witness? You know, we sing that hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. How faithful do you think the Lord Jesus Christ is? And it says here, He's a faithful witness. Well, I'll tell you some things He is faithful to. He is faithful to His Word. I do know that. Our Lord is faithful to His Word. Whatever He says, He will do. Whatever promises make, He's going to keep it. Whatever he says he'll do, it's going to be accomplished. And so he is true to his word. But let me tell you something. He's faithful. He was a faithful witness to his elect. He faithfully witnessed to his elect. He faithfully called his sheep by their name. He faithfully laid down his life for his sheep. He faithfully came down here and told us about God. He faithfully revealed to us His Holy Word. And oh my. And I'll tell you something else He is faithful to. He was faithful to His enemies. You know what? He, he, he was faithful witness to His enemies. You know what He said to them? He said, you generation of vipers and serpents. Boy, I'd hate that. Man, you call somebody a, a whole generation of vipers and serpents. Call them a bunch of graves. Call them a bunch of whited sepulchers. Call them a bunch of hypocrites. And you know what he finally said to him? He said, how are you going to escape the damnation of hell? Now that's being a faithful witness even to your enemies. And then, and you, know, and I, you know what a faithful witness he was? Bless his name. When he was on the cross, what a faithful witness our Savior was. He witnessed of the sovereignty of God. He witnessed to the obedience of God. He witnessed to the wrath of God, the justice of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, all on that cross. He faithfully witnessed there. And he faithfully witnessed to all of his children when he said this, Father, 
forgive them. Oh, forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And oh my, if he hadn't prayed for us, we still wouldn't know what we're doing. We wouldn't know. But he was a faithful witness. And then he is a faithful witness to all of God's counsels. You know what he's called? He's called a counselor. He is a witness to all of God's counsels from all eternity. He said, no man has seen God at any time save the only Son who's in the bosom of the Father. He has what? He come to declare Him. To declare Him. And you read there tonight, he said, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be, it'll satisfy us. It'll be sufficient. We won't ask for anything else. And our Lord said, Philip, have I been with you such a long time? Such a long time and you've not seen me? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. Huh? And I tell you what, He's a faithful witness. He's so faithful that He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He was faithful witness in the days of His flesh to the revealed will of God. And now He's even a faithful witness to us. Faithfully, faithfully, faithfully witnesses to us. Does not never leave us to ourselves. I tell you, we can believe His testimony. We can believe His promises. We can believe His Word. Because He is faithful witness. Now here's something else about Him. You think about this one. From Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Now what does it mean to be the first begotten from the dead? We was begotten from the dead. All of us. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And we were quickened. Quickened by the Holy Spirit. Given life. (coughs) But what does it mean? He is the first begotten of the dead. What in the world does that mean? You know there's two men in the scriptures went to heaven without dying. (coughs) Enoch was not because God took him. And then Elijah, a great big chariot come down and picked him up and carried him to glory. But those fellas didn't die. Lazarus died, the young girl died, and the widow's son died. And the only way they could have life is for Christ to give them life, to speak to them. To touch them and to give them life. But when it talks about him being the first begotten from the dead, now our Lord Jesus Christ was dead. When they come and took his, Joseph said, Please let me have his body. That's what he got. He got a body. And he got a body, and they took that cross down and took him off that cross. Pulled them nails out and got him off that cross, and they prepared his body. Just like you would prepare a body. And they put spices on the body and they wrapped him up in these wonderful linen clothes and they put him in a tomb and put a, a, a cloth across his eyes. He's dead. No, he was no sight in his eyes, no hearing in his ears. 
He didn't see nothing, know nothing, understand anything. He was dead. But early, early, early Sunday morning, he got up. <laughs> How did he do that? He's God. You know, he, he gave up the ghost and he says, now it's time to come back from the dead. Come to, and then I tell you what, by his own power, by his own power. You know, somebody calls somebody that's been dead four days from the grave and give them off by just calling her name. Don't you know that he's got the power? He came back to life on his own power. He was the only one who ever died and came back. Nobody else has ever done that. I'm not coming back when I'm gone. <laughs> Who'd want to come back? <laughs> but after our Lord, He came back. And they went looking for Him in the tomb, said, He's not here. Where's He at? He's risen. Where's He going? He's going to Galilee to talk to you fellas. Oh my, first begotten from the dead. He's the first... He's the first parent from the dead. And because He raised Himself from the dead, that guarantees our resurrection from the dead. If He rose from the dead, everybody who He died for, that Scripture tells us that He said He would raise our bodies like unto His glorious body. This thing, this body, oh, this body... Scriptures tells Paul says, you know, oh, this wretched man that I am. You know when he talks about a wretched man, he's talking about a dead body hanging on his back. And sometimes that body gets so heavy that you just think it's going to get you all the way down. And then sometimes it gets to stinking so bad that you say, oh, I would, oh, wretched man that I am, please let this thing get off of me. But it ain't going to happen. Go pack it till you die. That old dead body, that old corrupt body. And this body here is corrupt. But one of these days, as our Lord Jesus gave Himself life from the dead, raised Himself from the dead, and walked for 40 days and 40 nights, and proved Himself by many infallible proofs that He was the Son of God, risen from the dead. That I tell you what, because He did that, that guarantees every single one of us that what He did for Himself, He's going to do for all of us. Huh? Oh my. And He's going to, by the same power, raise up all His people from their graves. Look over here in First Peter chapter 1. Look over here in First Peter chapter 1. Won't you see something? You know... Our Lord said, I'm the resurrection. Resurrection is not an event. He's the resurrection. Look what he said here in, in verse 3, 1 Peter 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, not just mer abundant mercy, hath begotten us, given us life, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope. How did He do it? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
<laughs> he give us an abundant mercy. Give us a living hope. How? By Christ's resurrection from the dead. We got a living hope because He was raised from the dead. And look what He raised. What's he gonna, what we're going to get. And this is that living hope to an inheritance incorruptible. And an undefiled and that fadeth not away. Listen to this now. Reserved in heaven for you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh my. Uh, oh because he said you know he hath begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know this resurrection it's 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 Nobody has ever died and come back again. Nobody. Now, I, I, I read something the other day. I just read this the other day. There's a fellow over in Africa. They pronounced him dead and took him to the morgue. And they got ready to cut on him and start embalming him. And when they stuck him, he jumped up and started screaming and hollering. <laughs> <laughs> they never checked to see whether he's dead or not. They just sent him over to the morgue because somebody told him he was dead. But he didn't come back from the dead. He was all he was alive. But to think about somebody. Let me ask you this. You know, when that rich man went to hell, you know what he asked Abraham? He said. Send somebody. Send somebody. He didn't even he didn't ask himself to get out. He didn't say, Let me out of here. Please come here and get me. Please come here. And he just said for a drop of water. But he said, Send somebody to talk to my brothers lest they come to this awful place. You know what our Lord said? If they believed God Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't believe though one rose from the dead. And they wouldn't believe Christ raising from the dead. I'll tell you, you know, you know how awful man is, how depraved man is. That you, if 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 somebody went out to a grave and they said, "Listen, I'm going to," they dig the grave up, and you know, and somebody had been dead 24 hours or whatever, they dug up the grave and opened it up and called them back to life. That would not produce life, and not one soul on top side of God's earth. The only life that's ever gave life to another life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Men can see miracles. Men can witness miracles and talk about miracles all they want to. But there's only one way. I don't care how many people get from the dead. I don't care how many angels people see. Only one person can save a sinner and do anything for him. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The first begotten from the dead. And then look what else it says about him. Now down here in verse verse 5 here of Revelation 1 again. And he's called the first faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. <laughs> what in the world is he talking about there? That means that he's the one who's got all power and all authority. You know, everybody in this world's power is limited. I don't care who they are. Their power is limited. And their wrath is restrained. 
You know why? Because Christ, He's the He's the one that raises up and sets people down. He does it. You know, Pilate said to him, you know, when Christ wouldn't answer him, he said, Don't you know I've got power to crucify you and I've got power to let you go? Our Lord finally spoke. And you know what he said? You don't have any power at all. You have no authority. You have no power. You have no authority. You know where you got your power, your authority? From up yonder. Huh? And I tell you, old Pharaoh. Old Pharaoh said, Let my people go. I ain't letting nobody go. You know what God said to him? He said, Pharaoh, I raised you up for one reason. So everybody to understand how powerful I am. That I've got the power, I've got the authority, and I've got the ability to raise you up and kill you. I I can drown you in a teaspoon of water if I want to. Ain't that right? Oh, listen. And he's... People have power, you know, and, and, and here's another thing. They're accountable to Him. They're accountable to Christ. Everybody's going to stand before Christ. The Scripture says the captains and the kings of the earth are going to stand. The great and the small are going to stand before Christ. And they're going to have to give an account. Well, that's good news for me. I've done give an account to Him. <laughs> that's good news to His people. And here's the thing, men can't be as bad as they would be in this world. And neither can we, because Christ restrains people, restrains people. And then look at the wonderful adoration where it says there. Unto him that loved us. Oh my. Unto him that loved us. Purely, freely. Graciously, He loved us. His love was and is effectual. His love is effectual. And then look what He says. And He washed us from our sins in His own blood. Sin stains the soul. Sin pollutes the soul. Sin leaves guilt upon the soul. And there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it, washed it white as snow. Oh my. He took away the effects of sin he took the stains away the pollution away the guilt away everything about sin is gone from us how? by his blood by his blood washed us washed us from our sins in his blood oh how can red blood take such black hearted people sinful people and make them as white as snow, pure, sinless. And then look what else he said to us in verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Now, what in the world is he talking about here? Well, the girl's got a song, you know, said, I'm a child of the king. And he's made us kings. 
that means we're going to reign with him. We're, we're royal descendants, if I could say that. We're, we're, dis, we're the children of a king. Christ is the king of kings and he made us kings and made us priests unto God our Father. Now I want you to see another thing over here in 1 Peter uh, 2 9. 1 Peter 1 2 9. Look here, let me show you something. You know, he, he said, Israel said, You'll be a holy nation unto me. Well, God made us a nation. His people is considered a nation. Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. Listen to this now. A royal priesthood. Well, <laughs> royal, that's what he's royalty. Royal priesthood. And holy nation. A whole week God says we're a nation. A peculiar people. A purchased people. That you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of his darkness into light. And God reckons us kings and priests. As kings we reign with him. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And the scripture says we're seated together with him. Now look back over here at 1 Peter 2.5. Look in verse 5 here. 2, 2, 5. You know, priests, priests, they have something to offer. They're allowed into the holiest of holies. They're allowed into the presence of God. Now look what he said here in verse 5. He also, as living stones, are built up as spiritual house. Now listen to it. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We offer spiritual sacrifices. We offer our prayers. We offer our thanksgiving. We offer the fruit of our lips. We offer our praise. But because we're priests, we come with spiritual sacrifices and we allow to come into the very presence of God Himself. Christ is our great high priest. He sits at the right hand of God. But we as priests, we can come right into the very presence of God. The Scriptures tells us we can. Huh? I'll just show you that in Hebrews 10. And then I'm going to quit. Hebrews 10. You know, and the only thing that's acceptable is, is, the, is what we offer through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 17. When we offer prayers, when we offer thanksgiving, when we call on Him, when we come to worship Him, since He's a spiritual person and we're spiritual, that's all we can offer. We, have, we don't have anything tangible that we can offer Him. Nothing. Nothing. So look what He said here in verse 17. Hebrews ten seventeen. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission or payment of these is, there's no more offering for sin. If you ain't got no sins and iniquity, you don't need another offering. You don't need an offering. Since we, we don't have to have a sin offering, we already got one. Having therefore, bold, brethren, listen to this now, boldness to enter into the holiest not just the holy place, but the holiest of holies by the blood 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, that's why we come. And then look what it says in the, in, in the last part of that, verse 5. Let me go back over here and show you this. And then I'm, then I'm done. Look what he says here. Revelations 1. And hath made us, in verse 6, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. Now listen to what he says now. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And that's what we say. Because of the grace and peace that's given to us. Because of the Spirit that comes to us. Because of the faithful witness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection of our Lord. Because He loved us and washed us in His, from our sins in His own blood. Made us kings and priests. And we ascribe, we ascribe to Him all glory, all glory, all power, and all dominion. He's everything. He's everything. Amen. Lord, we bow our hearts in Your holy presence. Thank You for the day. You've been very gracious to us, very kind to us, very pitiful towards us. And we thank You for that. We thank You for Your Word. Oh, Your Word. Sharpen any two-edged sword. And Lord, it, it speaks of You. tells us about You and what You've done and what You're doing and what You will do. And Lord, You've made us a promise made us promises and Lord we believe every one of them you've been so faithful to us faithful, faithful, faithful faithful, faithful and oh Lord forgive us of everything that's unlike you God bless these dear saints as they go their way, go to their homes go to their jobs God bless them Lord, strengthen them, encourage them. Meet the needs of their homes. Meet the needs of their hearts. We pray for those who are still weak and frail among us. Rick and Helen and others. that Pray for Gary. God, help him. Lord Jesus, we need you. We look to you. And ask for your power and grace. For Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. Good night and God bless you.